chapter 6 is scripture today. If you are, if you have your Bible with you and you want to turn over there, I invite you to do that now. There are Bibles in the pew rack. If you're old-fashioned like me and you like to actually look at the words on the paper, uh, you can follow along. I think they may be up on the screen at some point. Uh, yeah, I just got a thumb up, thumbs up from Matthew. So however you like to follow along, if you like to just listen, that's good too. Matt, Mark chapter 6, beginning with verse 14 this morning. King Herod heard of it. Let's pause right there. Heard of what? Last week we talked about how Jesus sent the disciples out two by two, giving him, giving them his name and his authority to be able to cast out unclean spirits and to anoint the sick with oil and heal them and preach in his name. So they had been doing just that. And word spread everywhere that this was going on. King Herod heard of it for Jesus had become known some were saying John the baptizer has been raised from the dead and for this reason these powers are at work in him but others said it's Elijah and others said it's a prophet like one of the prophets of old but when Herod heard of it he said John whom I beheaded Herod himself had sent men who arrested John, bound him, and put him in prison on account of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because Herod had married her. For John had been telling Herod, it's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. King Herodias had a grudge against him and wanted to kill him, but she could not. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man, and he protected heard him he was greatly perplexed and yet he liked to listen to him but an opportunity came when Herod on his birthday gave a banquet for his courtiers and officers and for the leaders of Galilee and when the daughter of Herodias herself came in and danced she was pleased she pleased Herod and his guests and the king said to the girl ask me for whatever you wish and I will give it and he solemnly swore to her, whatever you ask me, I will give you even half of my kingdom. And she went out and said to her mother, what should I ask for? She replied, the head of John the baptizer. Immediately, she rushed back to the king and requested, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. Yet out of regard for his oaths and for the guests, he did not want to refuse her. Immediately the king sent soldiers of the guard with orders to bring John's head. He went and beheaded him in prison, brought his head on a platter, and gave it to the girl. Then the girl gave it to her mother. When his disciples heard about it, they came and took his body and laid it in word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. One of our church members from the last church we served was named Mitch, and I wish you could meet Mitch. He's a nice guy. You'd like him. Uh, he, when I first met him, I thought he was just a mild-mannered high school science teacher. And then uh, 
One of my daughters, I can't remember which one, came home and said, Dad, Mr. Mitt is Batman. And I said, what are you talking about? She said, no, really, really, he's Batman because he's, he's, he's gone every now and then for unexpected periods of time. And every time he's gone, a new Batman movie comes out. So he must be Batman. That's what everybody's saying. Well, he was kind of tall and dark and mysterious. And he did have other Batman-type qualities, too, because he, I found out later that he was a trainer for Army Special Forces, and he trained people to, get this, jump out of perfectly good airplanes. That was what he did. So I just said, na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-
Jesus' family thought he was going off to be with Mary. But other than that, it was a pretty cool thing. Jesus actually invited them to come. Most rabbis, you would kind of go and apply to follow that rabbi. Jesus called them by name and said, hey, come and follow me. And wow, the things they got to see when they followed Jesus. Can you even imagine getting to hear Jesus in his own words do those great teachings and tell those parables? Can you even imagine seeing him heal people, even people with leprosy, even paralyzed people? Can you just imagine what it would have been like to see him bring a dead girl back to life? And then, amazingly enough, he sent them out two by two. He gave them his authority. He gave them his power. He gave them the message to take and said, I want you to go out and anoint people in my name. I want you to go out and cast out unclean spirits in my name. I'm giving you the authority. Go. And we read about in Luke chapter 10, verse 17, where they came back in after they went and did this. It said they came back with joy. Joy. And they said these words, Lord, even the demons are subject to your name. Winner, winner, kosher chicken dinner so far. Finally, we get way up here. And then John chapter 6. We see the scene. And then, starting with verse 17, it kind of goes into flashback mode. It tells the story of what happened to John the Baptist. Now, for the first time, we see a servant of God suffer because he's a servant of God. Let's remember the scene this, this morning. That there's a ruler named Herod Antipas. Herod's not his name. That's his title. Antipas is his name. Mark calls him king in, chapter 14, in verse 14. He would, he would have really liked that because he wanted to be king. The truth was he was one-fourth of a king. He was a tetrarch. Back when Herod the Great died, Herod the Great was that Herod that was in charge when Jesus was born, the one that had all the Hebrew male children under the age two killed, that sicko, Herod the Great. He was a bad dude. Well, when he died, the empire decided to divide it up between his children, and Antipas just happened to get the territory that included Galilee. So he was a fourth of a ruler, but he had an ego the size of all outdoors, and he was so paranoid and so narcissistic, and he was the type of person that wanted what he wanted when he wanted it. And so he looked at his half-brother Philip's wife, Herodias, and he said, I believe I want her, and he just took her. Took her, just kicked the old wife out and took his brother's wife, and that was against the law. It was against every kind of of humanity that you can think of. It was against the law in Leviticus, but he didn't care about the law in Leviticus. He was king and do what he wanted to do. So he took Herodias. Along comes John the Baptist, who is famous for saying just what he thinks to just anybody. And that's what he does. John the Baptist publicly disavows what, what Antipas 
of God for Herodias. She publicly condemns it. And let me just pause here and ask you to think for just a moment. What happens when an unpopular truth is publicly declared to a wicked and corrupt despot? Whether it's first century or 21st century, same thing. That voice is going to get squashed. It's going to get silenced. So John the Baptist was thrown in prison. He was thrown in a dungeon, but here's an interesting thing. Antipas, Herod Antipas, was afraid of John the Baptist. He was afraid of him because he knew deep down in his heart that John the Baptist was speaking truth. And here's another thing that's so interesting. It says that he liked to hear him. He liked to hear him preach. So I don't know if he went down in the dungeon every now and then and got John the Baptist to preach to him, but he was imprisoning him, and at the same time he was protecting him because he sort of feared him, sort of liked him. Now, the new wife, Herodias, she didn't like him at all. She had a grudge. She felt scorn. She wanted to have him killed, but she couldn't figure out how to do it. But she bided her time, waiting for that opportunity. And the opportunity presented itself. Herod Antipas had a big birthday coming up, and they were going to throw a royal feast, not just a little birthday where you wear the sombrero and they come and clean up your table. Those are cool, too, though. This was a feast. This one lasted a week. This one was one that everybody just dreamed that maybe someday they'd get to host this royal feast, but only the uppity-ups and only the VIPs and only the king's courtiers got to go to it. And during this feast, I can imagine at a time when, when Antipas had had um, too much to eat and too much to drink, and um, that was the time Herodias is kind of in the background, and this is the time she's going to send in her secret weapon her daughter Salome, we know from history her daughter's name was Salome, she sent Salome in to do her super secret dance. I don't know what the super secret dance was, but it must have been something. I mean, it must have been really something. Because after it was over with, Antipas said, Salome, my darling, I am so impressed by your dance. I'm going to give you anything you ask for, a blank check, anything you ask for, up to half of my kingdom. He says this in front of all the guests and makes a big deal out of it. So she says, okay, I want a bright red Ferrari chariot. I thought she said that. She didn't do that. What she did was she ran to mom behind all of this that evil cold-hearted woman and she says you go back and ask for John the Baptist's head and Salome goes back in and says I want John the Baptist's head on a platter I kind of think she added the platter part into it just to make it interesting and now now 
listen to you and just serve. Because remember I said he fears fears contracted and he really kind of likes him but listen to this he fears his wife losing marriage and he fears losing face with his friend the most because he made a promise and so even though he knew it was the wrong thing to do he wanted to please others he had John the Baptist's head cut off and it was brought in on a platter and it was given to Salome and Salome ran and took it to her mother can I just pause here and say something Following Jesus does not always mean health or prosperity or an unbridled On words in Mark chapter 8, see a big crowd had started following Jesus. Big crowds, like if it had been this day, they would have liked him on Facebook. They would have, they would have, he would have been trending, okay? People admired him. So crowds were coming, and Jesus turned around and looked at the crowd and looked at his own disciples, and he said to this, if any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their, what? You know. Let them take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. Those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and to forfeit their very soul? Following Jesus is supposed to be a lifestyle. But when we do so, we are risking it all. We're pushing all of our chips to the center of the table on the one who took the greatest risk of all of taking on human flesh and walking among us. The one who took the risk of humbling himself and pouring himself out like a servant, even unto death. Knowing that God's promised and true that in the end, the risk would be worth it. In the end, the risk would be worth it because life would win. God would win. Love would win. God would triumph even over death. Because you see, if you're going to risk it all, then at some point you've got to decide if you're all in this or not. If you're going to risk it all, make sure you risk it on the right Because what in the world will it profit you if you risk it all on power or riches or career or the approval of others? If you risk it all on that, where will it get you? You know where it got Herod Antipas? Well, not long after this, he and his endless hunger for more and more, more and more 
acclaim more and more, stroking of his ego more power. He and Herodias went to Rome and they asked to have the title king. so instead of giving him the title king that he wanted, he stripped him of his reign and stripped him of his title and stripped him of his rule and banished him to exile in Gaul. So Antipas, in pursuit of the whole world, lost everything that he valued the most and he lost the thing that he seemed to value the least, his own soul. today maybe today is the first time you feel in your heart that you want to be a follower of Jesus maybe you've been an admirer of Jesus maybe you have believed but you've never just said okay I'm going to follow I'm going to follow I'm going to take that step I'm taking that risk Maybe you made that step a long time ago, but you've been waiting around in the shallow end. You know what I mean? You're hanging around in the shallow end. You're waiting out as far as you can reach, but you're not taking that step. And the Spirit of God is moving in your heart right now, and you know that thing you need to let go of. You know that step you need to take. You know it. In your heart, you know it. And you're right on the edge on the edge of of stepping farther than you've ever stepped before with God. In the movie The Lord of the Rings, there's a scene where um, Frodo and Sam are are leaving their home behind, their their beautiful home with mountains and streams and rivers and forests and everything. And they're going on a journey which is going to end up taking them to the ends of the earth. They don't know it yet. They just think they're going to the next county. But they're going across the field on this journey and um, in this scene they're crossing a field and and Sam stops and in a couple steps Frodo stops too and he turns around and says what's the matter Sam and Sam says if I take one more step I'll have gone farther than I've ever been before Frodo smiles and walks back to him and puts his arm around him. And he reminds him, you know, it's a risk to even step out of your door in the morning. But we'll go together. And they did. Step by step. Into dangers and into wonders. And into something that would transform both of them.
call is not to come and be comfortable. Your call is not to give intellectual assent to the right set of beliefs. Your call is to come and follow. To just go all in. So God, I pray that we'll hear that in whatever context it means for for our lives today, whether it means making a first-time decision to follow you or whether it means saying yes to you in some area of our lives, but we've been holding back. We've been holding back, God, long enough. But Lord, I know that when we jump today, you're going to be there to catch us. In Jesus' name, amen. As a response to your call and, and this hymn that is really a prayer, hymn number 399, Take My Life and